Hello everyone, this is Songs from a Room, an intimate singer-songwriter showcase where I, Bob Palos, invite very talented artists to the podcast for a one-on-one. We'll learn a little about each artist, what inspires them, what brought them to play the music they play, and the moments that led them to write the songs they wrote. Then finally, to play me a song from a room. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, we are here in my apartment with the very talented uh, Gemma Lawrence. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Look at that. Uh, we're going to talk about her music, her music, her playing music, and uh, singing and songwriting. Uh, I guess we'll talk about, you You were just telling me you're from, you're going to, you're actually about to head back to school right now in Vermont? Yes, I am. I go to Middlebury College, which is right in the hills up there between the Adirondacks and the Greens. Very um, rural. <laughs> Very rural school. But uh, what's your major out there? Uh, I study English. Yeah. English major. Mm-hmm. So you get an experience, a lot of writers. That's really good as a songwriter to... Yeah. Uh, any? Is there any new discoveries? From English? Yeah, from the English major. Any oh, write, yeah. Any hot writers that, you, that are on your... Uh, on my yeah. radar. On your radar. Yeah, well, mainly they're dead, but like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're still pretty good, I guess. Like, That's what, yeah, you gotta uh, learn, learn about the dead guys. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I love Frank O'Hara, especially, I've been in New York this summer. Have you read any Frank O'Hara? I have not. Oh, he's so good. Frank O'Hara, is there a, what's, he, uh, what's his famous work that I should check out? Um, he did this thing called Lunch Poems. He worked at like a museum, I think it might have been the Guggenheim or the Met, um, and he like on his lunch breaks wrote poems and then like compiled a book of poetry on that and they're just like silly absurd wild poems like he's got one called steps he's got another one called having a coke with you which i don't think is in that collection but it's really good um i've been reading that a lot in new york just because it's like all about being know, in new york and yeah you get to feel like you walk his footsteps a little bit yeah and kind of gets the grime of it too mm-hmm. you know I, on my way here i almost stepped on a dead rat and so i just <laughs> feel like I, I feel him you know what i mean oh yeah <laughs> One of many in yeah. New York. <laughs> Can't go a day without almost stepping on a dead rat. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. You're, so you're going back to school uh, and then you're going to, are you planning to come back to New York? or? Yeah, I'm planning to move back here actually. I just kind of decided that. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going to go to grad school, but I was like, JK, want to do music. <laughs> so I'm coming back, guys. Um, yeah, I, I'm graduating in February and planning to move back and do the whole music thing. Yeah, grad school is always there, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, right now pursuing an associate's in my 30s. So. Hey, <laughs> like, there we go. College is always there. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's great. So you, uh, you're, you're not from Vermont though. You're from, you said Maine, right? Yeah. I grew up in Maine. My dad works at Bowdoin. Um, and he's, he's British actually. So we spent a lot of our childhood kind of like half in England and half in Maine, um, sort of bopping around from place to place. So you'd like spend like, what am I trying to ask you? (laughs) (laughs) So you jump around a lot? I jump around a lot. Uh, yeah. And when I was in first grade, I went to this like very posh kind of Hogwartsy school in London, and we had to wear uniforms and wear ties, and um, it was a temper tantrum age. So I feel bad for my parents. And <laughs> shout out to all the parents out there: do not make your kid wear a tie when they're six. They oh, will no. not like it. All the sauces they'll get on it. <laughs> so many sauces, dude. Like, <laughs> and they like Brits love potatoes, so it's just like mashed potato on my tie every oh, day. Yeah. It wasn't even a real tie; it was one of these elastic ones. But yeah, I hated it. But um. London was cool, and then I went back and I lived in Oxford when I was in fifth grade, and um, so and then we kind of visit relatives every year too. So you're just always back there. Yeah. 
Wow, man, dual citizenship. That's pretty cool. It is. I mean, less cool with Brexit now, but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you start playing music? Was it in America or was it in, in, in England? Uh, it was in America. I went to farm school uh, in high school, first semester. It was called Chwonky's Master School, and I like lived in a cabin in the woods with a bunch of friends and learned some things about sustainability, and then I started writing music. <laughs> wait, wait. So it was this was a school where you just... Uh, you just, it was like a, a school or was it just like some crazy wild wilderness man who like <laughs> took you under his wing? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. Um, I have to tell you about the time I was on a cult by accident. That's, that's another story though. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Okay. <laughs> different, different experience, but still sustainable living. Huh? <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, I, yeah, it was, it's, it's a semester school. So you, you go there for like a semester in high school in your junior year, uh, just kind of switch things up a little bit. And, uh, what, what do you learn there just to like, other than just living in the woods, <laughs> you learn, you just normal stuff. I took French, I took like, uh, like, like ecological kind of natural history and you're like going out in the woods and identifying trees and stuff and I totally loved it it was it's it was at Chuanki, which is the place that I ended up working for a couple summers teaching music and uh it's just a beautiful like peninsula in the woods like right on the ocean and you're living in these log cabins and you're like going to class every day but also like waking up and doing farm chores and then like your science class is actually outdoors and you're learning real like skills and that does actually sound pretty awesome yeah it was sick it was totally hands-on and it totally developed my love for nature and being outside but you said this is where you started doing music yeah so we had this project called the human ecology project and you had to like do this presentation like a slideshow on um like a specific environmental issue that you're passionate about and everybody was like stressed about it and doing these essays and doing these slideshows and it was a really exciting time but i was like man I just don't want to do a slideshow, you know, I just like, I want to do something different. So I was thinking about it and um, I was like, I should write a song. Like I play guitar. I'm like somewhat mediocre at bright eyes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can make this happen and uh, for whatever reason. And uh, then I kind of did the thing and I wrote a song called Flood of Tobacco about the Portland Montreal pipeline, which was a big environmental issue in Maine at the time. And uh yeah, so that's kind of how I started as kind of environmental activism for that school, and then music sort of took off from there. Well, some of the best music is activism music, so that's great. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's how you started. Mm-hmm. Here you are now. Do you still write activism songs? I really want to get back to it, you know, especially in this time. Um, I, I kind of ended up writing a lot more emotional um, pieces and more about poetry, um, kind of coming back to the English major thing. I... Um, yeah, study English. I, a lot of it's my whole album is based in poetry, um, and so I'm kind of interested in that and sort of environmental things crop up in that. But uh, yeah, mainly writing about relationships and nature and family now. You did play music though in England, though, right? Yeah. So I started in high school, and then I uh, I it really took off when I I got to Middlebury and I started writing more music there. And mm -hmm. then on my year abroad, I went to Oxford, and that's where I really got kind of involved in the open mic scene and did more. Uh, shows and more performances, and that was just so much fun. Doing Oxford, what, what's the scene like in Oxford? Oxford is a bunch of cool and quirky, eccentric characters, including but not limited to the lead singer from Radiohead, who still lives there. Oh, Tom York's still out there, is <laughs> but he's probably not hitting the mics. He's not hitting the mics anymore, <laughs> sadly. But we go to the same waitros, I think. So you know, all is well. Do you have a song to sing and a story to tell? Just send an email to songsfromroompodcast at gmail.com to apply to be a guest on the show. Just give us your name, a little information about yourself, and a track of the song you'd like to sing. songsfromroompodcast at gmail.com 
we look forward to hearing your song. How long? So how long did you play out there for? Uh, I was there for a year. So um, I was there uh, studying English at Oxford at Lincoln College for a year, and um, then just kind of doing music as a side thing and uh, just trying to write more songs and everything. And I lived in London the summer afterwards, and that's when I did like more open mics and stuff. And then when I came back to America, it just I stumbled across. Um, this open mic in Brunswick where I'm from and the guy running it, Judd Caswell, was like, I've got a recording studio. Do you want to record your stuff? And I was like, yes, I do. Opportunity strikes. Yeah. That's great. So you recorded all your things and well, you wait, you just, you just put out an album. I did yesterday. Just, oh wow. Okay. Well, yeah. (laughs) Fresh off the press. Fresh off the press. What's the name of the album? Crooked Heart. Crooked Heart. And that's available on uh, all the things. (laughs) All of them. Spotify. Everything. Apple Music, all that. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. What's it like? Uh, the, what's the feeling like now that you've put out your first album? It feels really weird. Like I'm halfway between like overwhelmed and halfway between kind of bored because I don't know what to do now. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just That's like done. I'm no longer like working on you know album artwork and you know uh, all that thing like mixing. Like I, the problem was I was I was working with somebody who's based in Maine and so and I was in New York and, or in Vermont or like in England. I was kind of like all over the place and every mm-hmm. time I'd go back home I'd record like a little bit more and so I was constantly like emailing back and forth and like tweaking the music more and it was really fun but it just like it was this whole process and then when that was done and then when all like the uh, the gigs leading up to my album release are done because I did three in the past week around New York, um, which was great. But now that that's done, I'm like, oh my gosh, now I just, it's up on the internet. People yeah. can listen to it. And you just wait. Yeah. That's the thing. You make it, you carve it in stone. And then, you know, thousands of years later, people look at the statue. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If the internet is still alive. <laughs> yeah. If the internet is still alive and kicking. Or like there's still like some mixed cassette tape somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's a funny thing. I made CDs for this. I, like, ordered, like, 300 CDs, and I've been selling those at gigs, and people, like, still want to buy CDs, which (laughs) gives me so much hope in, you know, humanity. People are buying CDs out there? other than Other than my mom, when she goes to... (laughs) To see like a jazz sax player. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I got you a jazz CD. <laughs> thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll look at it for free on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, I love CDs. My Subaru, which sadly broke down uh, after 12 years of good use, only had a CD player. No yeah, aux yeah. cord, no like tape cassette turning into an aux cord, nothing. It was just, just CDs. Just the one CD player, huh? Yeah, so I, I, I have like all like, like Maggie Rogers on CD. Like all these like contemporary artists I have to buy on CD because I can't listen to them otherwise. That's funny. Yeah. Still keeping the CD industry alive. Oh, yeah. Like single-handedly, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah. I have like one CD in my uh, car. It's just like a mariachi. <laughs> yeah. My uncle left. Oh, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> Everybody it? has like a Miles Davis or something. And they're good, right? Uh, or like yeah. Fleetwood Th- Mac. That was like, like, Miles Davis was like one of my first CD compact discs in high school. I, that would pop in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now I have it on vinyl. Oh, you know, <laughs> very Brooklyn of you, Bob. Yeah, I have yeah, it on, yeah. you know, no big deal. <laughs> so when, when making this album, you said you were like running around, you're like all over the place where you're like laying, you, but you're still laying tracks in the same studio. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I recorded at Frog Hollow Studio in Brunswick, um, which is just the studio of Judd Caswell. He's awesome. Anyone in Maine, like shout out to Judd. He is a homie. Love him so much. He's really good at what he does. And so I ended up just like kind of using that as a home base, literally. And whenever I'd go, go back, I'd record a little bit more. I worked with a cellist who's also from Maine called April Reed Cox. Um, and she's just like fantastic. And uh, she's based a little bit down east. Um, and yeah, but I was kind of, I was at Middlebury when it was sort of happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 
sort of bopping around. It ended up in New York before it was done. <laughs> and so we're kind of mastering it over email. But it, it happened. You know, we got it out there. That's great. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. So like those songs on the on the album, how long were they? Are they like a collection of songs from like, do you have like a song you wrote when you're 16? Or? Yeah, I totally do. I, yeah. You know, my latest single, actually, the one I wrote like my freshman year of college and like people like it. And I was like, oh, OK, like, I wasn't even going to record it. Like, but I, I wrote it with a band I was in. No, it was my sophomore year of college. It was we were called The Bittersweet. Mm -hmm. And um, it was me on guitar, my friend Cece on violin and my friend Will on banjo. And we did this like three part kind of jam. And it turned into the song. We only played like one song, but that was the song we played, you know? <laughs> that was your so the song. Yeah, it's called Leave Me Out to Dry. And we were like, we're just, that's our song, you know? We did like two cover songs in that song, and that was our thing. And then we all went abroad, so it kind of stopped happening. But I was like, th that song was in the back of my head, and I, I had like, I, I recorded, I started recording um, as an EP actually this year. I thought it was going to be an EP, like five songs, four songs. And then I realized I had like nine songs, and I was like, what's the 10th song going to be? And I was like, that one I wrote my sophomore year of Boom, college. Yeah, Boom. And great. then it turned into a single and we made a music video for it. So now it's like really that's out exciting. there. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I don't know what I like better though, my older stuff or my new stuff. Cause like there's kind of a freshness to, you know, you're like when you're 18, 19 writing these angsty love songs and stuff. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you just watch any live performer who's like 60 and like all of his hits when they're 19. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've seen I've seen the the dead look in some people's eyes. But oh yeah, they're great songs. They and are. Everyone wants to hear them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'll still be playing "Leave Me Out to Dry" when I'm eighty, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you, so? What's the song? Did you pick the song to sing tonight? Yeah. Or? Uh, yeah, I have. It's called "Cricket Heart," the eponymous song. Oh, off of "Cricket the Heart" the album title track. All mm -hmm. right, awesome. So this song. You didn't write, when, when did you write this one? This is actually one of my older ones too. It, it's kind of the song that started the whole album actually, um, yeah. which is why I named the album after it. Um, I, uh, coming back to poetry again, I'd read this poem uh, in a class at Middlebury called As I Walked Out One Evening by W.H. Auden. And there's a line in it that goes, stand, stand at the window as your tears scald and start. You shall love your crooked neighbor with your crooked heart. And that just was like the sweetest thing to me. And it was, it's kind of like halfway between like, oh, you can only love people with your imperfect heart, but also just like very, it's almost jaded in a little way because the narrator is this kind of older man looking at these two besotted, like uh, young lovers who are naive, like running off together and talking about how they'll love each other forever and everything. And he's like, yeah, but it doesn't really last. All you can do is kind of love with your crooked heart. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's usually my perspective when I see any fresh, yeah. <laughs> fresh couple. You're like, ah, whatever. Couples. <laughs> yeah. Youngsters these days. So that's I, I read that and it totally resonated with me. And I, I wrote this love song called Crooked Heart. Um, and then it became a song and then an album kind of happened from it. That's great. Yeah. Crooked Heart. That's awesome. Do you like schedule weekly, like thinking about like ideas or do you just like have a notebook of thoughts and you just like let them all happen? Ooh, I, yeah, I kind of write whenever I'm inspired. And mm -hmm. a lot of that is when I get dumped. So <laughs> <laughs> I like, I feel like I started doing music as, well, started as environmental activism. It kind of turned more into a coping mechanism for when I was younger. And now I've done kind of more like contemplative stuff. Like when something really traumatic or bad or happens, like there's a song called Morning Dove Song, which is about like sort of processing my grandmother's death. Mm -hmm. um, and so when something like that happens, like for me, music has been a really helpful way to like work through that. But it's not just been for me. It's kind of been like I found that the more raw 
and authentic I am when I write music, the more people connect to it, which makes sense. Um, And so I found that like writing when I feel really vulnerable and really open to people kind of transfers into the song itself. Here in my apartment is uh, Gemma Lawrence with Crooked Heart. Here it is. Stay a while, my crooked love, don't fly away just yet. It's quarter past eleven, and the Q train hasn't left. So I can see a freckled face and smile while more. And squeeze your calloused hand in mine, there's nothing I want more than to ride on that train next to you, than to fly. On that plane next to you So I can soar over state lines And oceans next to you Just to wake up every morning next to you Oh, so I can wake up every morning next to you Next to you Remember on those cold nights you used to amble through the snow And listen to some Johnny Flynn drunk on my carpet floor Somehow your love outdoes anything I've felt before I look at you and now I see there's nothing I want more Than to fly on that plane next to you Than to ride on that train next to you So I can soar over state lines And oceans next to you Just to wake up every morning next to you Oh, so I can wake up every morning next to you Next to you Oh, I love my crooked neighbor with my crooked heart. Oh, I love my crooked neighbor with my crooked heart. Oh, I love my crooked neighbor with my crooked heart. Oh, I love my crooked neighbor with my crooked So I'll ride on that train next to you And I'll fly on that plane next to you So I can soar over state lines and oceans next to you Just to wake up every morning next to you Oh, so I can wake up every morning next to you Oh, so I can wake up every morning next to you you. All right, that was nice. Thanks. Yeah, it's a really lovely song. Do you uh do you listen to? Yeah, you have a very familiar like Natalie Merchant. You ever listen to? Her? I love her. Yeah, she, yeah. I, could, I could definitely 
feel some of those vibes. Yeah, she's my mom's favorite artist. I like, grew up listening oh, to her. Yeah? yeah, it's crazy that you like picked up on that. No, no, it was great. It was really good. I really like that song. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. That was Gemma Lawrence, everybody. Uh, stay tuned for her. You know, look it up. But Spotify, Apple, all of it, right? All of it. Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, everything. Any anything and everything. Just uh, keep your ear to the ground for Gemma Lawrence and keep listening to this podcast. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. That's it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. This was Songs from a Room. Thank you to Ben Shapiro for providing all the theme music. Any inquiries, just email us at songsfromaroompodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned, dialed up, and downloaded for the next episode. Bye.